Welcome to the Dead Men of Whiskey, a podcast about the remarkable lives and sometimes unusual deaths of the names we all know in whiskey. Now settle in, pour yourself a drink, and sip along with Amy and Christian as they tell you a story about one of those names on a bottle. Welcome back, whiskey friends. Today we have a big one, a legend. A hard-to-find legend, Julian Proctor Pappy Van Winkle Sr., but you may know his name simply as Pappy Van Winkle. Yeah, and as you know, we always start our episodes by pouring ourselves a drink based on who we're talking about, Uh, but this one's going to be a little tricky. Yeah, Pappy Van Winkle's notoriously hard to get your hands on, and... (laughs) more relevant is it's way beyond the dead men of whiskey budget yeah so today we're gonna enjoy a nice glass of makers 46 okay but uh why are we doing makers 46 well julian van winkle presumably the third the heir and current maker of pappy has suggested alternatives to this cultishly popular and delicious bourbon um, that we can't get our hands on. And he's been quoted as saying, my first pick, that would be the seven-year-old W.L. Weller. It's very close to ours, sweet and lots of caramel. If you can't get that, try Makers 46. It's a little more interesting with that extra French oak aging that they use. And third would be Ford Rose. Ford. Ford Roses. Four Roses. I used to drive one of those in high school. A Ford Rose? Yeah. <laughs> Four Roses, the single barrel. And if that's not available, then I'm going to go drink vodka. That is quite a departure. But uh, <laughs> but no, that's okay. I mean, I just shit. I dig Makers 46. Um, uh, Four Roses is great, too. Oh, Weller? yeah? Yeah. Like no, I was, I was just going to say that. And, and this is the thing, because now I've never had it. I've never had Pappy Van Winkle, but keeping as we keep talking about it, I feel like that is some great injustice that the universe has done to me that I don't get to have this this whiskey. But one of these days, I swear to God, one of these days within the year, I will have at least a sip of it. I'm going to track it down. I have okay. to track it down. All that said, I guess it's time to uh, to try some Makers 46 and pretend it's Pappy. We can yes. do that. Yeah. We're gonna we're gonna live our best <laughs> yeah. low life, high life right now. Yeah, but I mean shit. I like Makers 46, so I'm I'm not too too upset about this. Yeah, I think it's a great alternative, especially when you compare that bottle price and they're mm-hmm. both well Yeah, I'm just gonna close my eyes and just you know call it Pappy. But here's a fun fact though. Um it's believed that Bill Samuels got his whiskey recipe from his good friend Pappy. That's that's I mean, that's pretty amazing. Yeah. So yeah. we're essentially drinking Pappy. Like the, like the, the neighbor. Off? The neighbor. It's like, oh. the, it's like the neighbor of the beast. Yeah. Six, six, eight. You know, six, so. Six, eight. <laughs> <laughs> I would be so happy, though, if this was Pappy. Oh, my God. One of these days. When we go on the like the, the live tour or whatever, you know, if, you know make mm-hmm. the, these things happen, can we try to just, like, maybe oh, I'm sorry. sweet talk someone? You're better at this than I am. One of us. What? Hasn't had Pappy. Oh, have you had it? Mm-hmm. Fuck you. 
<laughs> that's that's my answer to that. Fuck you. Yeah. No, seriously. No, seriously. What I mean, do you when you had it, did you know what was what was your uh, I mean, impression? yes, it's delicious. And it felt you know how set and setting has something to do with every experience that you have. Of course. Like if you were drinking the most delicious whiskey in the worst circumstance. Mm hmm. It's not going to be the most delicious whiskey. But if you're drinking the shittiest whiskey yeah. and the perfect, like if you drank the shittiest whiskey at your wedding, you're. I was just going to make the same analogy. Your perception of that whiskey holds a higher value. Yeah. Because of that. It's so, like making out with a supermodel behind a dumpster or like, you know, kissing your wife at your wedding. It's kind of like. Wow. <laughs> Wow. It's a bit extreme. Let me just, yeah, let me not get dig a hole for myself. I'm just going to start going back to yeah. Pappy. Um, Pappy Van Winkle Bourbon has a notoriety that's unparalleled in the spirit world. So that's spirit world as in liquor, not like ghosts and goblins. And ooh, it's incredibly. That would be so much better if it was though. <laughs> like the official, the official whiskey of like phantoms and, and devils. Or ghost hunters on uh -huh. that terrible show. Those Did you hear that? Did you hear that? Did you hear that? Did you hear that? I felt a cool breeze. Yes. It's called wind. <laughs> Close the damn window, idiot. Yeah. <laughs> we should have them on the show. Anyway, it's incredibly sought after. It fetches huge prices on the secondary market. And that's where it gets insane. The secondary market. Because like anything that's in small batches or hard to find or whatever, obviously there's always going to be a collector's market for it. But some of these bottles have sold for about $5,000. Five thousand thousand dollars so it's kind of like shoes i mean essentially well yeah like it's nikes. like anything yeah it is it's like you know small batch nikes and nike small batch nikes. <laughs> they should come out with a whiskey um you use i would so would you eat it would you eat it well, would I you have... drink it that's what you do with whiskey I... I think you drink whiskey but and if it's you a eat shoe. shoes yes i um, eat shoes of course you know I, i'm let's not literally, be silly I, I okay i have a confession to make uh oh. I have a shoe and eyeglass obsession. Yes. I've noticed the eyeglass obsession and you do have some sweet kicks. I have I haven't it has not gone unnoticed, but you should see her eyeglass collection, by the way. It's it's ridiculous. Well, the shoe thing, because of COVID, I've slowed down because there's mm -hmm. nowhere to wear them. But glasses because the thing is you can get away, I can do virtual events and my glasses still change, mm -hmm. but nobody sees my shoes. In fact, as we're recording this podcast, I don't have shoes on and I only have one sock. Yeah, on. I, no no one here has noticed at all. No. <laughs> I, I own, look. Yes, those that's a foot. I had and a, a bad sock. I had a yeah. bad sock on today, so I threw it away. Well, it's also raining cats and dogs right now. So I mean that's like how does it rain outside. cats and dogs? I don't know. It's raining water and water. How about that? Is it that is, better? It is raining more than it typically rains. Well, sure. It's yeah. It, this is Seattle, so I guess I don't know. Maybe this is a sunny day here, for all I know. And that's not true because the last few days have been really nice. So I'm gonna you know give Seattle props. You're not as disgustingly dreary as the travel brochure said. Don't I tried to get that sentence out for some reason. It's really stilted. 
don't tell anybody that. We like people believing that it's gray and gross here. So, they so that they don't come here. Come here. Yeah. <laughs> Get the city to ourselves. No, I guess that that's a luxury because I can't, we can't keep people out of New York, even if we like actively stab them as they walk through, as they come through the Holland Tunnel. But, uh, which we do, by the way, if you know, that's when you yeah. come to New York, you get a good stabbing, you know, before you come in from Jersey. Uh, again, back to, this is going to happen a lot. I'm sorry. But anyway, you used to get, you used to be able to get bottles of Pappy and get on a list, but they no longer provide that service. Each year's batch of bourbon is unleashed on the market all at once, usually in the late fall or early winter on a day fondly referred to as Pappy Day across Kentucky. But it's not just across Kentucky. Each state gets its own allocation and a very small number of bottles, very small number of bottles make their way to London. Special London. All right. Well, because liquor stores are the gatekeepers of each year's highly coveted Pappy Stash, they're in the Pappy Stash. Pappy Stash. I know I like that. (laughs) I really like that phrase. Um, The Pappy Stash. Um, they are in the line of fire of angry and frustrated customers who often get verbally abusive. I mean, what do they expect? You know that they've got to be, I know, really, it's it's whiskey. But I'm just saying, like, you know it's going to be a small batch. You know it's hard to get. So how are you going to get, like, super angry when you realize, oh, my God, it's hard to get, and there's a small batch? I mean, it's the whole purpose. I mean, the whole, like. If it wasn't hard to get. Think about it. You wouldn't want it that much, right? Right. So anyway, they often get, there's a lot of stories of essentially angry customers getting verbally abusive with uh, with liquor store owners and where they've gotten threatened when they couldn't get what they want. In fact, in Michigan, a guy reportedly ran a pappy salesman out of his store and threatened him with a gun because he only got two or three bottles. Oh my God. Like can, only two or three. Wait, but out can of, you just, like the entitlement here, it's whiskey. It's not like... I know it's not medicine, right? It's not Old Forester. <laughs> oh. <laughs> uh, yeah, like the entitlement. I didn't anyway. But, oh, oh the, I, I hope that's not surprising to you. It's not as if we haven't gone through, uh, you know, most of American history of you know entitlement being the main cause of strife. I, but uh, I also apparently felt so entitled that I didn't turn the ringer off on my phone. And I'm oh, very sorry you. about it that. Just. It, Having your yeah. personal business, just invading our work. But if anybody's wondering, the mailman just showed up at my Ooh. house. <laughs> the way that. you just said that, though. That was the Is he just message. the mailman? <laughs> we'll see. We'll see. We'll okay. See. Uh, it remains to be seen. So my question is, mm-hmm. why is Pappy so expensive and elusive? I mean, it's I mean, it's pretty simple. It's basically supply and demand. Um, old Rip Van Winkle Distillery only releases between about seven to eight thousand cases each year, uh, and we should also note that Old Rip Van Winkle Distillery isn't actually a distillery at all these days. Pappy is distilled by Buffalo Trace. To put that in perspective, Jim Beam produces around 7 million cases per year. So that's 7 million cases it compared is an order to of magnitude. 7,000 cases. Yeah. I like it's saying crazy. that. It's my, my, an one order like, of magnitude? It's my higher, higher math terms that I actually know what it means. I don't even know what it means. Yeah, I'm probably wrong. Does it mean anyway. one number is bigger than the other? Because that would be accurate. No, no. It's it's like a, uh, like by a factor of like 100 or something. So if they're doing oh, 7,000, oh. 7, yeah, 7 million. Yeah. All right. So again, not a math 
You don't need podcast. to be. No one we're no gonna one get, wants you to be. We're going to get new t-shirts made, which, by the way, if you don't have any dead men of whiskey merchandise, we have flasks, we have t-shirts, we have stickers, we'll probably have some new fun stuff soon, but we should get a shirt that says dead men of whiskey. It's not a math podcast. Mm, yeah. I feel like it's come up in every episode. <laughs> I'm actually wearing one right now. Not the one that says it's not a math <laughs> podcast because, but I can write that in Sharpie underneath it. Well, Sharpie but under. they're, they're mad comfortable and they're, just, they're yeah, good. T-shirts. Yeah. This is a really good t-shirt. So I don't know who, who made that order. Someone that probably be, brilliant. That would be me. Oh, my God, no. So I guess it wasn't someone brilliant. But, and you can get your very own at deadmenofwhiskey.com. <laughs> yeah, you should, too. Anyway, this limited release makes it both rare and highly collectible, as we've been discussing. Hold on. That what? sounds like you're still talking about the T-shirt. Oh, yeah. Okay. Okay, enough about the T-shirts. Pappy Van Winkle's limited release makes it both rare and very highly collectible. It starts at a 15-year. And goes up from there to a 20 and a 23 years. So it's not like they could just produce more and have it ready next year. If they decided to like up the production, our like children might have it like at their 21st right. birthday. So anyway, if you decided to have one like right now. As if Pappy wasn't hard enough to find. In 2013, there was a Hollywood worthy heist that happened, which made the supply even smaller. The heist included 65 three-bottle cases of the 20-year, along with some other spirits from Buffalo Trace and Wild Turkey Distilleries. I love the guys that are, like, stealing, like, 20 cases of Pappy Van Winkle, and they're like, oh, yeah, let me grab this bottle of Wild Turkey, too. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, somehow, whoever did it completely avoided security cameras. So it was like straight up like Batman ninja stuff. Do you and think they were? It was the Invisible Man. No, I think it was a uh, opportunistic uh, inside job, but I don't know. We'll see. Oh. So they probably, yeah, obviously they knew where the cameras were, and Crime Stoppers offered a ten thousand dollar reward for any information that would lead to a conviction in the case. Does Crime Stoppers still exist? I don't know. I don't use, that's not like a thing that I interact with very often. I'm not usually. On either side? On either side of it. Like I'm not, you know, I'll let somebody else catch these people. But at the same time, I'm also not doing crimes left and right. I guess. I don't see why it wouldn't. Well, I guess I don't watch TV or the news anymore. Good for you. Sounds really smart, doesn't it? I don't watch nothing anymore. I, I just sit in my hole and drink whiskey under the stairs. So, but they had what? commercials. That's how I would hear about it before, I guess. Yeah, you know, it's interestingly enough, the same for me. I don't. I mean, I I do watch a lot of you know TV news and movies and stuff. I mean, I'm constantly in like Hulu, Netflix, or whatever. But I actively avoid any sort of television that has commercials. Actively avoid it. In fact, as soon as I'm watching anything that has a commercial in it, I my attention span is just like you know, stunted immediately. Well, according to the so smartest person in the room, Jessica, mm-hmm. Crime Stoppers does still exist. Also, even with the Crime Stoppers $10,000 reward, it took six months, but six months later, 10 people were indicted for the thefts that happened at Buffalo Trace and Wild Turkey. Three of those 10 worked within the distilleries that were involved. See, I thought I figured as much. It was an I inside job. Much. Inside job. Over $100,000 worth of stolen whiskey was recovered, and the primary culprit was a man named Toby Kurtzinger, who worked in the shipping department at Buffalo Trace. He was known to brag that he always had 20 cases of Pappy on hand in his basement. 
Could you imagine from going being going from being the guy who works there can get probably offered to the employees? I would imagine that they can get a case or whatever. You have twenty cases of Pappy in your basement. You're gonna go and now steal. What was it? How many was it? Sixty, sixty cases that they? No, oh, no, they stole. That's the product that he was talking about. Oh no, no, I'm saying I can't. Remember. I'm trying to remember how much Pappy that he stole at during you know this crime. Sixty but he, cases. He stole 60 cases. We already had 20. In- no, no, no. He what? was bragging. Oh, about the ones he stole. Yeah. Oh, I thought this was before the fact that he was just saying, like, I always have Pappy on hand. But you would imagine that he could get his hands on this shit. So, I mean, like, all right, anyway, the mind of a criminal. I'm not going to really try to, you know, <laughs> step in that pile too too much. But, uh, but I do know that when the cops went to his house to investigate, no one answered the door. Oh, that's good. You know, great. Great job, dude. Uh, so they peeked around back to find whiskey barrels with spray paint covering the distillery markings on the barrel under a tarp in his backyard. They murdered out the barrels. Like when somebody steals a bike and they paint it all black. And yeah. They, yeah. They murdered yeah. out the barrels. So the police were tipped off that the barrels under the tarp were full because the whole area smelled like bourbon. So they got a warrant and they did a search. And not only did they find all kinds of bourbon. They also found steroids and handguns. So this guy really knew how to throw a party. This is essentially what you're saying, right? Uh, the scary party. <laughs> Toby Kurtzinger was sentenced to 15 years in prison, but what happened to those bottles? What do you think happened to those bottles? I'm sure something terrible because then you're about to tell me. Well, right? out of, yeah, of course. I wouldn't ask you a question yeah. that I didn't <laughs> know the answer to. <laughs> Uh, the answer, listeners, we just don't know. And yeah. we're just going to sit here and talk about other shit. Like, you know, hey, did you see uh, the new Pixar movie? Or, you I know? haven't seen that. So you let's really talk about it. this. Yeah. Oh, okay. Let's talk about this. <laughs> really? You think? Okay. Out of concern for those bottles being compromised and or contaminated, the Van Winkle family asked the sheriff for the bottles to be destroyed. No. So after they left... Evidence. Couldn't they just give it to the cops at least? Like, hey, thanks for saving the pappy. And like, we're not going to put these back on the market. I do understand why they wouldn't put it back on the market because they don't know whether this right. guy like opened each bottle and peed in it a little. Well, you don't know if the evidence guy was like, oh, I'm, Dest- I would put good that. money on the fact that the evidence guy did not destroy $5,000 bottles of whiskey uh, if he didn't I have bet, to. I bet he destroyed it just yeah. by That's like, like whenever drinking you, it. Yes, yeah, whenever you see, like, there's, like, the, the photo ops that the police, off, the, the police department has, like, we just uncovered, like, you know, 50 pounds of weed. And then they, like, throw it in this big bonfire behind the police department or, the you know, behind the thing, and they burn it. Funny enough, all those cops are standing damn close to that fire. (laughs) It's, you know, it's like, okay, yeah, I see what you, I see what you did there. see what you're doing there. In 2015, things got real crazy. Uh, The angels got a little greedy and it was discovered that several barrels to be bottled that year were not up to standards. Uh, just for people that may not know what I'm talking about right there, like, tell us about Angel Share. I know we covered this before in an old episode, but. Angel share the amount that evaporates over the maturation process or while the barrels are aging is a bigger issue when you're aging something for 15 or 20 or 23 years because there's a percentage that disappears. Mm -hmm. And so I think, and I am definitely not an expert in maturation and angel share, but in 2015, I think that there was a lot of angel share that happened and that affects the proof of the whiskey. 
Oh, I'm sure it's got to affect the flavor of it as well, the viscosity, oh, yeah. all affects, that kind of stuff, how much evaporates. It yeah. affects everything. And that's why there's, I mean, so you're looking at when seasons and the temperature mm-hmm. and the how long it's aged and how long it's in the barrel. And if the barrels rotate, there's so many variables that that's what makes whiskey. So that must have been insanely frustrating. Like, you know, age something for, I don't know if this was a 15 year or a 20 year. I can't, I mean, I don't know exactly which. If know. I had to wait 30 days for anything and I came back <laughs> yeah. and I was like, I can't use this. I'd be so mad. Yeah. Imagine 23 years. I know. I like check my Amazon tracking when I have a package coming literally about 20 minutes after I actually buy the thing. I'm like, mm-hmm. where is it now? I'm like, it's in like a computer motherfucker. Like, stop. You know, or the like your package is five stops away. And I'm always like, I could have done these five stops so much. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Anyway, so this meant that the release of that year, you know, that year's batch was going to be even smaller than it already is. And there was a massive frenzy that began right afterwards. But it's not all just hype. In 1996, the 20 year Pappy was submitted to the Beverage Tasting Institute where it scored an insane 99 out of 100. The awards didn't stop there. Pappy's won the Wine and Spirit Spirit of the Year, a double gold medal at the San Francisco World Spirits Competition, and the Best in Class Gold Medallion in the International Wine and Spirits Competition. You ever wonder when something gets a 99 out of 100? What, what that? What was one? the one thing? What did they do wrong? That was like, oh, you're not, it's not perfect because it, I don't know what. But do you think it's somebody that's like, we cannot vote anything perfect? Like, if it's perfect, then it should be voted perfect. So I was, I'm, I'm curious as to what that 1% out of 99 points, out of 100 points, that one point that they missed out on, maybe they want to reserve it for the day that they drink that bottle of whiskey that just like, you know, rhapsodically sends them to heaven or something. It's and it's like, person, oh, that's the hundred, you know, Yeah, score. it's the person that always thinks that there's going to be something better. Something better. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Well, that's basically how I spent most of my dating life. Um, <laughs> it's funny because I was thinking about dating. Were you too. thinking the same thing? Yeah. It's just like, it's like there's always going to be someone better. This fine human being that I've met and spent all this time with, like, uh, you know, kick you to the curb. Turns out there usually is. Yeah, this is true. I don't know. Maybe it's a good strategy. So good job, uh, whiskey people that gave it a 99 instead of 100. Because, you know, who knows? Pappy Van Winkle 2022 is going to have, like, you know, I don't know, extra long legs. I don't know. So (laughs) I don't know what that even means. Yes, you do. Yeah, I do know what it means, actually. But I just don't want to explain it any further. Um, Pappy, like, I like saying Pappy, by the way. It's like really, I every like time I get to say Pappy, Pappy Stash. Pappy, like all modern bourbons, is made primarily from corn, and it's aged in new, oak, new American oak barrels. But it uses wheat as a secondary ingredient instead of rye. All right, before you go out and think you found liquid gold on the shelf, I think we should also mention that there are similarly named sister brands, which are less sought after than the Pappy Van Winkle. Still delicious, but those include the old Rip Van Winkle, the Van Winkle Special Reserve, the Van Winkle Family Reserve. And while those are some good, less expensive options, it doesn't have the age of 15, 20, 23 years. So if it's not aged that long, it's not the pappy that everybody's freaking out about. And it's not as, is it? And maybe I'm wrong. This question just occurred to me right now. Say I got uh, uh, the old Van Winkle, right, or Van Winkle Special Reserve, and then Mm -hmm. threw it in a closet for 
20 years. Okay. Once you <laughs> take it out of the barrel, the know, aging process stops. <laughs> yeah. Damn it. I was going to start a whole cottage industry of just like bootleg low rent uh, Pappy Van Winkle by just like aging. <laughs> go get your own barrel and throw it back in. Why not, man? It's not um, going to be the same. I don't know. I guess, of course, it's not going to be the same. It's a stupid idea. Um, but anyway, you'll also note that the only true Pappy has his photo on the label and the word Pappy in the title. Yeah. So it do- if it doesn't have a photo, if mm-hmm. it doesn't have Pappy, it's not. The- if it doesn't have a Pappy photo and Pappy wrapping. Pappy wrapping. <laughs> it's not Pappy. We haven't even started talking about the legendary man himself. Oh, there was a dude. That's yeah. right. It's actually a person. <laughs> we're, just yeah. talking. we're just drinking and nerding out. So mm. let's get back to that after the break. We'll be right back. All right, listeners. Amy and Christian need your help and support to keep this here podcast going. The good news is that showing your support is easy. If you haven't done so already, take a moment to subscribe and give this podcast a five-star rating on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen. You can also show your support on Patreon. And for just a couple of bucks a month, get some really sweet whiskey swag. Or you could head on over to the website at deadmenofwhiskey.com and wear your support by picking up a Dead Men of Whiskey shirt or flask. You can also find the team on Instagram and Facebook at Dead Men of Whiskey. While you're listening, why not take a minute to rate and subscribe? And now, back to the story. Welcome back, everybody. We took a break, and Christian still didn't manage to fill his glass. So no, re- I was waiting because it sounds good on in the in the mic. Refill At least I now. like listening to it. Okay. So here's a, another pour of not Pappy Van Winkle, but it's Maker's 46, which is from the Pappy man himself, a, a good alternative that will give you some sort of indication as to what Pappy does. But um, we've already covered that. So I'm going to stop talking about that and just drink this. All right. Let's talk about the man. This is the first episode we've ever done where we've gotten to the mids. Without actually yeah. talking about this person's story at all. Yeah. So um, today we're going to start our journey back in 1874. Mm-hmm. And uh, let's take a minute and set the stage for what the world was like in 1874. So we're actually in the middle of Reconstruction after the Civil War. Ulysses S. Grant is president. Blue jeans with copper rivets. Copper rivets? Copper rivets. Whoa. No, no, no. Here is actually okay. Blue jeans with copper rivets were p- patented by Levi Strauss. And just as a little personal story, the first like article I've ever written that was nationally pu- or published in a national was about copper rivets. Was this about Levi Strauss. Was about oh. the yeah, it was about the the history of jeans, dungarees, whatnot. And the copper rivets were the patent. Mm-hmm. That's what made Jeans, jeans. jeans. So the uh, this patent that Levi Strauss got um, was essentially just for reinforcing, you know, denim pants, which were used to be made out of sailcloth. Essentially, it's the same stuff that you, you would build like sails on boats for. They just used that because it was a thing that was around a lot. It was really sturdy and durable. 
And then so he made pants out of it and put copper rivets in it and became jeans. Okay. I somehow knew all of that. And I can't imagine that I would have researched. Oh, I researched everything I could find about Levi Strauss and everything about him. Dope, dude. You should read it. Don't look up my old article about it. It's in some deep corner of the internet now. Jessica, can you look up an article about Levi Strauss written by Christian and we'll post it in the show notes. It's Paper Doll Magazine. Um, Yeah, he's really fighting this. It's really a terrible article. It's badly written. I don't like, you know, I'll tell you guys about it. But anyway, damn it. Also in 1874, the Philadelphia Zoo opens as the first public zoo in the U.S. And maybe more relevant to our careers, the QWERTY keyboard was first marketed for the typewriter. Well, wait, in 1874? Yeah. I thought yeah. that was a thing with like... No, they were already the typewriters. Early smartphones. QWERTY? Oh, no, this whole layout yeah. that you're looking at right there—that's been the such layout. An idiot! Like, oh no, you're not an idiot, but yeah, I mean, it, I mean, it's not something you you think about often. Clearly, like, as, yes, <laughs> it hasn't occurred to me to even question that. But I do wonder. I guess maybe it was just alphabetical after, like before that, where it was just A, B, C, D, whatever. Oh, now I'm like, but why did they even put it in this order? Ergonomics. But Think about it. Think about where your hands rest on the keyboard. Those are all the letters that you are going to use most of the time. That's why Z is over here in the corner. But I use P a lot. <laughs> um, but, uh, yeah, and it's right by your pinky. You can get your finger on it real quick. Um, but I could get my finger on Q really quick. It is or ergonomically what? designed to. No, but this is always a thing with engineering. It's like one of those things where it's like you don't really see the, like, oh, it's, you know, it's so random. It's not random at all. It makes sense. <laughs> I don't know how to, how to really explain it. but it Can you is... imagine if they came out with a new keyboard now and just moved the letters around, how difficult it would be to like retrain no, we, your brain? We have already seen that in our lives. Think about keyboards from, like uh, I don't know, Commodore 64 or whatever or something like that. There's new buttons that we use, like the, for the directional buttons that are at the bottom corner mm-hmm. of your Mac, right? Those didn't exist before. Control, option, command. Those didn't exist before. Shift, but no, caps lock, I'm saying like that. if you moved all of the letters around on the keyboard, oh, how, how hard would it be it like would to just readjust? Mess up your life. Yeah. I don't know. Uh as much as I actually use a keyboard and type and write and stuff, um kind of have to admit that it's like I can type perfectly fine if I'm not looking at the keyboard. Right. If I'm not thinking about it, but the moment I start thinking about the fact that I'm typing and I have to actually like make a word, I become like a caveman. I have to now look at the keyboard and I'm like poking at it with fingers. It's a brain thing. I don't have a good brain. This is the latest rendition of nerds drinking whiskey (laughs) and talking about nerd things. That's all right. We'll get to like Pappy in our good time when we damn well feel like it. In Danville, Kentucky. (laughs) Oh, we feel like it. In Danville, Kentucky, it's an afternoon drive southwest of Lexington. Julian Proctor Van Winkle Sr. was born on March 22nd, 1874. Does that make him a Pisces? What is that? Um, I don't know. From here on out, we're going to call him by the name everybody knows him by, which is just Pappy. The Van Winkle family was an affluent family. Originally from Holland, they came to America in 1647. So. Yeah, early early settlers. Ago. Early settlers, yes. During the late 18th century, Pappy's grandfather brought the family to Kentucky. 
And Pappy's father became a very well-off and known lawyer in Danville, Kentucky, and then later went off to serve as the Secretary of State for Kentucky. Of Kentucky. Wow. Yeah, yeah. Did you know that uh, Vanilla Ice is a Van Winkle, Robert Van Winkle? I did know that. I didn't put the connection of the two together. Well, I did a little research, mm-hmm. and thankfully, he is not related to Pappy Van Winkle, or is not a descendant of them. He said, yes, he does have that last name, but he's also adopted, so he's actually Stop. not even... Stop. Yeah. They didn't collaborate or listen? Huh. No, he was back with a brand new invention, and <laughs> <laughs> just... <laughs> Their best work right there. Yeah, it is. We're gonna get a Peabody, I think, for that. So yeah. Pappy moved away from Danville as he became an adult and he began a career as a traveling salesman for a liquor wholesaler, W.L. Weller and Sons, which you might recognize that name. As a traveling salesman in 1892, Pappy would travel through Kentucky and Indiana by horse and buggy peddling Weller's liquor to saloons and stores. Can you imagine being a salesperson that's covering multiple states, but you're traveling by horse and buggy? As long as it's full of whiskey, I think I could probably do it. Well, valid. W.L. Weller and Sons was a wholesaler. It was commonplace. Can you drink and drive on a horse? (laughs) Does does that matter? Does that matter? The horse probably cares about it. I mean, if the horse isn't drunk, does it matter whether you're drunk? The car's not drunk when you're Okay. But the horse has eyeballs. The Under car doesn't have no eyeballs. circumstances what? should you operate heavy machinery. Is a horse heavy machinery? Drinking. You are not promoting drinking responsibly. I am 100% promoting drinking responsibly because no one's out there on a horse and a buggy right now. And if you are, I am simply I'm asking sorry, the question. The Amish? They don't drink, do they? Do they? I don't know. Rum, I'm not Amish. Rum you know. Springer. Man, I want to say rump shaker every time that word has to come up. Can someone please cover rump shaker and substitute rum springer into it? That's like a Weird Al Al. project. Weird Al, if you're listening, please do it. Rum springer. Can we get him on the show? I actually have interviewed him before. He's, uh, I don't know that I have his contact. I know that I can get it. But um, Weird Al would be perfect, man. I love him. He's a wonderful human being, by the way. W.L. Weller and Sons was a wholesaler, and it was commonplace at the time that wholesalers would market a product under their name, in this case, Weller, but it was distilled by a distiller, which in this case was the Stitzel Distillery. Stitzel. That's another nice name. Pappy and Stitzel. Stitzel. Um, At the age of 29, he married a woman named Catherine, and together they had two kids, Mary and Julian. This is like the first time anyone that we've talked about in this podcast has had a normal, reasonable amount of children. reasonable amount of children. Fifteen years after entering the liquor business, Pappy and another Weller salesman bought the controlling interest in the firm when William Weller passed away. Soon after, they bought the Stitzel Distillery. They operated the two businesses independently of one another. And about a decade into owning the distillery, Prohibition, of course, just totally fucks, fucks everybody every time. About a decade into owning the distillery, Prohibition took hold in the United States. At this time, uh, the business for Weller Company completely just dissolved. I mean, you can't really operate under such conditions, uh, which completely makes sense. You don't really need a wholesale company when you can't sell bourbon. That's true. That's true. However, somehow... 
Pappy got his hands on the golden ticket and he was granted one of six licenses at the time by the federal government to produce whiskey for medicinal purposes. So the Stitzel Distillery continued to produce and the two companies merged and formed Stitzel Weller. Mm -hmm. And when prohibition ended, Pappy began construction of the modern day Stitzel Weller Distillery. And on Kentucky Derby Day in 1935, the distillery opened up with a mint julep celebration like no other. Big giant party. I feel like I've been to some mint julep celebrations, so I can only imagine what a mint julep celebration like no other would be. Uh, Yeah, it's a lot of mint juleps. Very minty. It's really nice to go to a party and everybody has good breath. Did you know? What? I might have to cut this out because I'm not 100% this is fact. Okay. That... The mint julep was originally considered a breakfast drink, not like a mimosa or whatever, but it was like a, here's how you can clean your teeth. Really? I mean, that kind of makes sense. Like this morning I used mouthwash and essentially. (laughs) I thought you were going to be like this morning I used whiskey. No, 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 no. But but think about it. All right. So I I had Listerine this morning. Mm -hmm. What do you think that's made of? It's alcohol and mint. (gasps) Was the mint julep the precursor Precursor to to Listerine. Listerine. If Listerine came out with a mint julep flavor, maybe Uh, Listerine needs to have its own whiskey brand. Maybe we need to approach Listerine. Maybe we need to do that with a mint julep flavor Listerine. Maybe we need to make our own Listerine. Out of whiskey. Basically, you want to make me a mint julep? (laughs) Just try those and (laughs) drink those. Just swish those around in our mouth in the morning. The new merch is just Listerine. Listerine. Mint julep. I Uh, like it. I'm down. So Pappy was quite the character and known to be quite the storyteller. It's rumored that he sold his product to moonshiners to make their product more appealing. I mean, smart guy. Yeah, I totally would buy that moonshine. He he believed in distilling the old-fashioned way, though. I mean, Pappy had a sign hanging over the door at the distillery that said, no chemists allowed. <clears throat> really racist against chemists for some reason. Um, and he, I'm kidding, obviously. He didn't want, he's like, no nerds allowed. It's like, you know, having a sign above your treehouse door. But anyway, and he's been quoted as saying, no chemist ever did anything for our business, and you can tell them I said that. He was also known as an outspoken man who would frequently voice his opposition to anything but 100 proof whiskey. His business offered private label distilling. And you could pick up a bottle of like Macy's brand bourbon that he distilled. Like the department store? Yeah. No, I mean, it's it's brilliant, though. I mean, it's it's uh, what do they they call that? Why don't why don't I know? uh, Like Uh, white labeling. Right. Yeah. White labeling. So I guess he. I don't know. It doesn't say that he he invented that. No, he definitely did. Yeah, but, that, I, but he definitely uh, utilized it, which I think is really smart. It's also said that he once had a meeting with the hotel dude, Conrad Hilton, mm-hmm. like of Hilton's regarding private yeah. label. So for the Hilton hotels and in the meeting, Conrad expressed that he thought Pappy's whiskey was too expensive for private labeling. And this is before the legend and the frenzy of Pappy happened. Sure. So just like generally speaking, he's saying your whiskey's too expensive and should have bought that Bitcoin. <laughs> when he told Pappy this, Pappy responded by casually asking about the steakhouse across the street from the Hilton hotel that they were meeting in. And Conrad Hilton responded saying that the restaurant across the street wasn't very good. And Pappy clapped back with, 
well, your steaks are expensive, so I guess I'll need to go there. Nice. Yeah, I guess he wasn't. He's, you know, he got a, he, had, he had a tongue on him. Yeah, and the man the man could uh, clap back like the best. I think like a tongue and wit. Wit, yeah, yeah. the two things do need to go hand yes, in hand they because do. otherwise you're just loud and annoying. Um, Pappy ran the board of directors at his company, and he directed the family's assets until almost the very end. He smoked a cigar and drank bourbon every day of his life. Pappy died from heart failure on February 16, 1965, at home at the age of 90. Pappy was the oldest active distiller in the nation at the time of his death. One day, I really hope someone gets to say that about me. Drank, drank bourbon every day, had a cigar, died at home at 90. The Courier-Journal of Louisville wrote, Julian Pappy Van Winkle, the grand old man of the Kentucky bourbon industry, is dead at 90, and with him died a little of the tradition, lore, and yes, blarney that have made Kentucky famous. His advice, like his marvelous stories about life in Danville, was worth listening to. He invited people to enjoy his product in the same way he did, in moderation. He's buried in Cave Hill Cemetery in Louisville. This is interesting. He's not the only notable person buried at Cave Hill Cemetery. On our trip to Louisville, I definitely want to walk around this cemetery. Oh, yeah, me too. Not just because you think I'm obsessed with cemeteries, because oh, I am she's not. She's so goth. I'm oh, my God. So she, not goth. She's not going to ever say that she is. So, Cave Hill Cemetery was listed on the National Register of Historic Places in 1979, and it has quite a few notable internments like Pappy, William Weller, and George Foreman, the whiskey one, not the grill one. Okay, listen, stop for a second. I know that we're talking about George Foreman, the the whiskey guy, right? But you are not going to compare him to George Foreman, the like heavyweight champion, the like grill boxing guy. of the he the grill. Oh my god! You actually listen. I'm going to concede on this a little bit because do you know a fun fact about George Foreman, the boxer? He, he made, made more he money. Made grills. No, no, he made more money. Like ex. Like so much more money off uh -huh. of his grills uh -huh. than he ever made boxing. Exactly, which is why he is George Foreman, the grill guy, oh, that is, and not George. That's Foreman, so the not boxer. exciting. But do you want to know who else is buried there? Who is Muhammad Ali? What? So okay, so my connection there wasn't completely fruitless as far as telling this story. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, okay. And there's another one, who? and this one is one that comes up a lot in this podcast. It's everybody's favorite midwife and teetotaling chicken fryer. It's Colonel Harlan Sanders. You see, you just did the same thing to Colonel Sanders that you did to George Foreman, calling him the grill guy. His his favorite midwife. Okay, yes, and you told me this. I learned this from you, that he was a midwife. I had no idea that Colonel Sanders was a midwife. That's how he got his first title of colonel. I want to be a colonel. What do I have to do? Who Probably do I have to punch? Oh, I don't think don't it works that way, <laughs> but I also think you have to live in Kentucky because I don't think New York gives out colonelships, but we can Google it. Uh, is that is that like a Kentucky, Kentucky thing? Like is colonel? Like is that, I mean, I know that, you know, you know, whatever Kentucky I mean, people get the title, but I'm just saying. Colonel James Beauregard Beam, Jim Beam. Uh-huh. My favorite, Colonel James E. Pepper. Uh, I roll. All right. Uh, Colonel Sanders, obviously. Colonel Taylor, Colonel Sanders. I think all of them were just given the honorary title. Oh, I want to see like the honorary like queen of Kentucky, like knighting people like with like a like a chicken drumstick. If you'd like to apply for queen of Kentucky, 
<laughs> send us a message <laughs> on our website dead men of i want to be queen of kentucky anyway god man I, all right listen when pappy passed away the distillery was passed on to his son julian van Winkle jr in 1972 we had a whiskey depression which i was not aware of i want to hear more about that actually things like james bond started uh popularizing other spirits you know uh was he sh- you know what was it the the martini shaken not stirred or whatever during this depression julian jr was forced to sell the distillery by the shareholders he didn't want to sell but he had no he had no choice but he sold it under the condition that he would be able to procure old stocks from the site and he would continue to maintain the van winkle brand name since julian jr owned the pappy van winkle name the new owners changed the name of the distillery to the old fitzgerald distillery and since 2002, Pappy's brands have been distilled and bottled by the Sazerac Company at the Buffalo Trace Distillery as a joint venture with the old Rip Van Winkle Distillery Company, which is why the old Rip Van Winkle Distillery Company is no longer an actual distillery. Well, well, well. Now in the hands of Julian Preston Van Winkle III, which is like a mouthful of a name. JPVW III. I like that name, though. I wish my name was something something as fancy as that. So now it's in his hands. Production is being increased somewhat, right? With a projected increase of the annual production from the current six to 8,000 bottles to about 15,000 by 2025, which I guess they had to have made that decision a while back. Yeah. Be able to be. But 15,000 we'll right is still not I mean, that's, a lot. No, no, it's not a lot at all, but it's still double the capacity of the, what they're currently doing. Yeah. Um, so I'm looking forward to that. Maybe by 2025, I'll be able to afford a bottle. Production is obviously still going to remain well below mass market levels. So, you know, you're still going to have to fight me for that bottle. And there you have it. The life and times and frenzy of Pappy Van Winkle. Pappy lived by the motto, quote, we make fine bourbon at a profit if we can, if a loss, if we must, but always fine bourbon. That's right. You're not going to want to miss next week's episode. It is the last of our live episodes with season two. We're going to have some fun stuff for you coming up between season two and season three, but we're going to head off soon to work on all of the fun stuff for season three. So don't miss this live show. It's going to be a good one. We want you there. Yeah, Season three is going to have like sharks with lasers on their heads. And Amy's going to hey, ride a spoilers. motorcycle over the Rio Grande. You're not supposed oh, to give right. away all of the spoilers. Damn it. Well, that's not all the spoilers. I haven't even mentioned Godzilla. So if you have questions for us, this is your last chance to get them in on season two. Go to our website, deadmenofwhiskey.com, Leave us a voicemail or send us an email. Both things can be done on our website and we will get to those in the live show. It's going to be a doozy. Don't miss it. But before we head out, let's raise our glasses for a toast. Yes. And in honor of the, the, the last episode of the season, I want to do, I want to do a toast that me and uh, my friends in Brooklyn do a lot together. And, and it sounds, it sounds a bit arrogant, but it's not because it, it's, it's sweet when you explain it. So I'm going to raise my glass and I'm going to say, Amy, to you, I'm going to say to my success. Now, you're not going to respond to like, oh, to your success. It's not about me. Everyone in the group that raises their glass says, to my success, because it's a celebration of all of our efforts, of all of our struggles, 
and all of our uh, aspirations to be who we want to be. So as a group of people all together, we raise our glass and say to my success and we all drink together. So Amy, for the last studio episode that we're recording together here in Seattle, and uh, we're obviously going to have the, the live one next week and we're you know going to have a lot of fun doing that. But this has been a journey. I love that you've had me here as your co-host on the show for this. And I cannot wait for all the shit we're going to do this summer. And it's going to be hilarious and fun. And season three is going to kick a donkey in the balls. But wow. Raise your glass. It's <laughs> very specific. It's very specific. All right. Three, two, one. To my success. To my success. Cheers. Thank you, everybody. Thanks for listening. Amy and Christian will be back next Wednesday with a live show to answer all of your questions, comments, and more. Leave a voicemail at deadmenofwhiskey.com and you just might be included in the show. And don't forget to tune in next Wednesday at 9.30 Eastern Standard Time, 6.30 Pacific Standard Time. Until then, friends, drink up, live legendary, and as always, please drink responsibly. I would not sleep with Kid Rock and that.